What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. Zemo's backup dancer and Turkish delight supplier. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. somehow a sewer lid in a bathroom. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. the astronaut that's apparently working on Sharon Carter's satellite, question mark. We hope you've all been having a great week as well as a week full of great content consumption. I don't have much new to talk about other than I watched the new episode of Invincible this week. I think the action, animation, character moments, and plot is getting even more interesting, and I definitely would still recommend it. I would say for a fun fact, they added an Oscar winner to their cast uh, this episode, which was fun. So yeah, what about you guys? Have you been watching anything good? Well, Matt, I also (gasps) have been watching Invincible. And I've been loving it. I don't think I'm as current as you are, but I think it's so great. It's so much fun. And in addition to that, I also went ahead and rewatched Captain America Civil War to be more current for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh, very good idea, Austin. I might have to do that. Um, question. Do you think you appreciate the Falcon and Winter Soldier more now that you watch Civil War? Do things make more sense? Things make more sense in terms of understanding where characters are coming from. I think the thing I appreciate the most now is Zemo's involvement in the show. That would make sense. All right, yeah. So what about you, Keith? Have you been watching anything new or anything to add? No, I've been watching anything new, and I've actually just taken a break from everything. I was, you know, on a roll there with Vikings for a while. Other than that, I've just been preparing for our best picture bracket. So I've watched Argo so far, and I just watched Gladiator last night. Yeah, you guys, this is more for us, but I guess a tease for the audience, but I actually had some time today, so I went into our bracket, and I think I I think I may have cracked the code in how to organize it. So I organized the brackets, came up with some possible one-seaters. I think they make sense. I came up with four categories that I think work, so you guys will have to check that out and see what you think. But I think we're in for a pretty interesting bracket regardless. We have some good ones on there. It's going to be tough. It's going to be our hardest bracket yet, people, because we are doing the best, best picture. (laughs) So by default, all of these are already good movies. So it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be good. Yeah, so along with that, of course, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been a big part of our weekly TV. If you didn't know, we did an entire TV review series on WandaVision before this. So if you love that and didn't check out our thoughts on it, head to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a review, and scroll up to our WandaVision episodes so you can give that a listen if you haven't already. This is your first episode of The Arnie's. Welcome. We're super happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday, and last week was a big one. We talked about a new release, which just feels like a godsend in these times. We have so few new releases still, and everything's getting pushed to 2022, so it's going to be a while. But we talked about the latest entry to the MonsterVerse, Godzilla vs. Kong. Keith, what was it like checking out most of those movies for the first time, and what were some of the highlights from that recording, do you think? Oh, man. Yeah, it was fun checking them out. I hadn't seen Godzilla since we first watched it back in 2014, so I had to catch up on all the other uh, three movies after that. So it was fun. Well, Keith, there is there is certainly one highlight in there, and it's the fact that Matt almost had a mental breakdown trying to establish why characters were not carried over from previous movies. I did. Movies. I forgot about that. Matthew had a complete breakdown, so if you want to check that out, please go listen to those reviews. Absolutely agree with you, Keith. Definitely check those out. As for this coming Tuesday, though, we are returning to the MCU Phase 1 for another episode of our retrospective and review series with Thor. So, Austin, we've had varying thoughts along the way when it came to Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. What was it like going back to Thor, and is there anything the audience can look forward to when that episode drops? 
Yeah, you know, I think this might be our first movie of the MCU Phase 1 where all three of us were universally positive mm. on the movie as a whole. I agree. We had a lot of fun going back and seeing Chris Hemsworth's first take on the character. We also had a, a pretty good, interesting conversation breaking down who was almost cast to play Thor before Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that was a fun one to record and just a fun one to revisit when it came to the movie itself. Because like Austin said, I don't know if we expected to be positive, but we ended up kind of enjoying it. So yeah, so look out for that episode on Tuesday. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Also, we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about everything we have coming out. But now it is time. We only have two episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier left. We're almost done, guys. And things are starting to come together, I think. The characters are picking sides. And who knows where that shield goes by the end of all this. Austin and Keith, quickly remind everybody of your thoughts on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far. And please follow that up with your non-spoiler thoughts on episode four. Yeah, I think overall I've been pretty positive on the show. I felt like they really nailed the premiere and the follow-up episode. Um, And then episode three, I think they kind of lost some momentum for me. Um, As far as episode four, I think they regained their footing somewhat. There certainly was, I think, more interesting character moments in this episode. But I felt like the overall structure of the episode was kind of weird for me this week. So I'm excited to break that down. But overall, I think more positive for me this week than last week. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with Austin on that. Yeah, overall the show's been... Pretty positive for me. It's fun to see Bucky and Sam back in action and together and seeing them in this new light, new world post-Avengers. Clay Bennett and White Russell coming in as uh, John Walker and Lamar. It's fun to see them and see, trying to predict where they're going to go. And as far as this episode goes, this one definitely was more up. I think the action in this one was really awesome. And without giving anything away... um, yeah, I think it was just fun to see how some things played out. Well, I'm, I'm excited to dig into it with you guys. I think I'm pretty much there with you guys. I certainly would say, since this is going to be a six-episode show and this is our fourth episode, I would say it's pretty, been a pretty big success for me. I've been a big fan of three out of the four. Last week, I still really liked the content. It just didn't really fully come together in the, the sum of all the individual parts didn't totally work for me. And this episode was definitely a bit higher. I think they nailed the character moments more. They kind of balanced the comedy and the dramatic aspects. Um, there is one huge glaring issue, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it because it's a spoiler, but it's not a problem with this episode specifically. It's more of something that they've been building towards over all of the episodes, and this one thing has kind of hit the fan, and I just don't think it fully works. But there are elements of it that it did, and I appreciate. So we'll definitely talk about that as for the rest of it, I just have no idea where things go. Like, how do they fit two episodes? That's all I got left. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, which is equally exciting and kind of like nerve wracking. Like, oh, man, I really hope they stick the landing because as much as we enjoyed WandaVision, I think we kind of all agreed that the finale wasn't one of our favorite episodes. There was lots of great stuff in it, but some equally kind of dumb and weird stuff, too. So I just hope it doesn't have the same fate being the follow up. But I guess we'll see. It's funny you brought up WandaVision, because with WandaVision, we had a hard time predicting the way everything was going to play out, but I think the predictions we had for WandaVision was ultimately more interesting than what we ended up getting on screen. And then for this show, I think everything that we've predicted so far has played out up to this point, so the predictability factor really isn't there for me with this show, but the execution, I think, so far has just been stellar and really fun to watch each week. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense because WandaVision at its core was kind of a mystery, which is how did any of this happen? 
who's pulling the strings, whereas that's not really the case here. I mean, I, I don't think this counts as a spoiler. We don't have to go into our spoiler mode yet, but the only real, I feel like, mystery up in the air at this point is who's the power broker? We've been wondering that since the first episode. That's still kind of the main thing. So I think that's a good point, Austin. It's like predictability isn't really a factor as much in this show because there's not really like this huge overarching mystery element. Okay, so with that, everybody, we are now going to be getting into our spoiler thoughts for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode four. So don't go any further into this podcast. If you haven't seen the newest episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, go ahead and give us a pause, check out the episode, and then come on back to hear our thoughts. So with that, we always start off our spoiler section the same way by running down the episode's cast and crew. So like Austin mentioned, this is season one, episode four, and our title is, which didn't really make sense until the very end, The Whole World is Watching. So Keith, let me know, who's involved in this one? This one is created by Malcolm Spellman, directed by Carrie Skogland, also written by Derek Kolstad. Going into our cast, we got Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan returning as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this week, we are joined by Florence Kasumba as Ayo, Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, we got Mr. Wyatt Russell as John Walker, Captain America, and Mr. Clay Bennett as Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar. And we also got Emily Van Camp coming back as Sharon Carter and Daniel Brule as Baron Zemo. All right, guys, so any highlights, positive or negative, for the cast and crew on this episode? This week for me, it's uh, Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau. I think this is the episode where she gets the most screen time, and I just think she's completely nailing this character. I think the performance she gives is really like sympathetic when she needs to be. You can kind of really get a sense of where she's coming from, but then when she gets involved in the action, too, she's pretty violent as well. So I, I just think all aspects of the way she's portraying this character are so fun. The performances from everybody, I think, are fantastic. I think there are some issues here and there when it comes to the villains in terms of characterization and motivation that I have, especially with this episode. But I ultimately agree with Austin that Aaron Kellyman does a great job in this role. Um, as for individual shout outs, it's kind of hard. I feel like everybody's great. I guess I'll shout out Florence Kasumba because she kind of gets a bit more screen time. Obviously, she was just a cameo in the last episode. We see more of her interactions here and she was great and she was badass when she needed to be. And I'm just really enjoying Daniel Brule as Zemo. He has this weird kind of, uh, again, we'll talk about the motivations and the character stuff later, but as for the performance, it just feels a bit more chill than in Civil War. And there's like an equal element of a dramatic, kind of a creepy villain factor, and also weirdly, and I didn't know I would like it, but kind of this goofy element too, which I really enjoy as well. Just watching him sip a drink and then kind of slide out of the room while people are fighting. And I think <laughs> Daniel Brule just kind of nails it. And the way Daniel Brule is playing him in this show, I kind of want to hang out with Zemo. He seems like a fun guy. Like I think I would enjoy kind of talking to him. I'd rather hang out with him like at like a bar in, in Mandrapore. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it'd be pretty fun. And then one I'll shout out is Wyatt Russell. As there you John go. Walker, I was Captain hoping you would say well, you Keith. have to, Keith. You got to call him out. He's your co-star. Yeah. Wyatt, my boy Wyatt. Got to call him <laughs> out. I called him up on the phone this week and I was like, hey, man, you're really good in this episode of Falcon Winter Soldier this week. Uh, really enjoyed did it. Did you ask him to come on the show? Yeah, I did. But he has scheduling conflicts. He said he would. But That's not good enough, Keith. You better get back on the phone. 
We need that pop. We need that Wyatt Russell pop for the RNT. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll text him mid-show and see if he can kind of like make a quick like five-minute appearance. But yeah, yeah, just like a segment or two. Just have him read the cast and crew <laughs> for the finale episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to save that for you, Keith, because I knew you would call it out because you're such a big fan. But despite what I mentioned, I feel like Wyatt Russell again issues with the character and some motivations, but the performance is just killer. I mean, he nailed it. Same with Clay Bennett as Lamar Hoskins. R.I.P. Sweet baby boy. But he has been great throughout the show, and he was great here. So those two especially. You think Lamar Hoskins is actually dead? Like, it looks like he died, but the way like they did the camera on him after that was like, maybe he's coming back? I agree. It was kind of held on in a weird way, but ultimately it just seems like in one fell swoop, he broke his back, neck, and his head slammed into that thing too. So I think he's... Uh, he might. I think he's gone, but very sad scene. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to miss Lamar Hoskins in this show. I thought he was super interesting. But before we get into the roundtable, Matt, please go ahead and remind us what happened in episode four. So, Bucky persuades Ao to allow him and Sam more time with Zemo. They track Carly Morgenthau to a funeral for her adopted mother, but are intercepted by Walker and Hoskins. Wilson speaks with Morgenthau alone and attempts to persuade her to end the violence. But Walker intervenes against Sam's wishes and a fight ensues. Zemo then shoots Morgenthau, forcing her to drop the remaining vials of super soldier serum, which he then destroys. Walker, of course, apprehends Zemo and secretly retrieves that final dose of the super soldier serum while Carly escapes. Ao and the Dora Milaje come for Zemo, but Walker refuses to hand him over. They fight, ending with Walker being humiliated by the Wakandan warriors and Zemo fleeing via a sewer lid, as Keith pointed out at the beginning. Carly threatens Wilson's sister, forcing him to meet with her, and she attempts to then persuade him to join her cause. But Walker and Hoskins arrive once again and engage other members of the Flag Smashers. During the ensuing fight, Morgenthau kills Hoskins, and Walker, filled with rage and having taken the Super Soldier Serum, as we mentioned, beheads a Flag Smasher with the shield in front of a horrified spectators who are filming his actions. Now, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, he just caved his chest. But then I watched it again and I was like, there's no blood on his chest and they're like, the camera is obscuring his head. So I was like, maybe he decapitated him. I don't know. That guy is definitely missing a head currently. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I got. Um, well, that's, that's kind of the perfect little uh, segue there to get into our roundtable discussion because the first point I had was on Mr. John Walker. So John Walker's descent is one of the big things in the forefront of this episode. He is starting to look more disheveled. He's realizing there are more talented fighters out there with and without the super soldier serum. And he's struggling more so with the responsibility and the mantle behind the whole Steve Rogers, Captain America legacy. Of course, the episode also closes with the death of his friend and confidant. And the reveal that he took the serum culminates in him brutally murdering the flag smash in the street, like we mentioned, in front of so many people and cameras. So kind of my opening question was, did this arc work for you guys? Because like I mentioned, this didn't just start here and come out of nowhere. It technically, whether you liked it or not, started in episodes two and three. So did this work? The arc, like, here's where John Walker is going to start and here's where he's going to end up, makes a lot of sense. I think there was no way he was going to come out of this show like as a good guy. So I think it makes sense that he has kind of descended into madness, but it's just a very quick descent from episode two. You can see like, okay, he's a nice guy. He's got three medals of honor. Episode three, he's an angry man. Episode four, he's murdering somebody in the street. Like, it's just like very, very quick, which I think is it was going to have to be because it's six episodes long. But at the same time, we didn't get a whole lot of like why he descended so quickly in the madness. That's exactly where I agree with you. And I would actually take it a step further. I think the descent is handled 
pretty bad. I think it's not good really at all. Um, and Austin, like I actually kind of was making some notes earlier and the exact way you worded that is what I put in two, he's a really good guy, but then makes like a snide comment at the end in three, he's just kind of a dick, but not like, I guess a horrible person. And in this one, he's just an, like an, like an evil asshole before he takes the serum <laughs> <laughs> Then he does. And then it's like, no holds barred. What's going to happen? So yeah, that didn't work for me at all. I like where it ended, but the way we got there wasn't great. So it makes me question, was he always a jerk and that he was just kind of putting on an act to be this this uh, nice guy and he was always this way? Yeah. Um, part of me hopes that episodes five and six give more of him as opposed to less. Like, I hope this isn't the end of his character because there could certainly be more having this kind of rogue um, now super soldier in play that had to deal with the Captain America mantle and didn't work out. And I also wanted to ask you guys, because I just thought of this, what's his punishment? Obviously, because of the cameras, him being Captain America is done so. That's not going to continue. Jail time? I, as a soldier, even though it was brutal, I can't imagine, like, is there a realm where he gets punished, like, beyond just, like, being, like, the shield is taken away and, like, you can't be Captain America anymore? I don't know, because he was sent after the Flag Smashers and he was told to take care of the Carly Morgenthau prob like problem. Yeah. I think I think I don't think they're gonna have an issue with the fact that he killed a flag smasher. I think they're gonna have an issue with the fact that he got caught on video killing a flag That's smasher. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like is there a realm where in the next two episodes, like they take away the, the, the suit and the shield, but then the government sends him back out to finish the job now that he's a super soldier. And so now Sam with the shield or whatever has to take down Morgenthau and like a crazy, angry uh John Walker who's not Captain America anymore. I don't know. Or maybe he gets like hung out to dry by the U.S. government, and then the power broker recruits him into their forces, mm -hmm. or some way. Like maybe that could happen as well. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, because the power broker wants to kill the flag smashers, so yeah, maybe they recruit him. That could be interesting. Okay, I see what you're saying. How did you guys feel about how the whole Lamar Hoskins things was handled in this episode? Because I thought we were actually headed for a pretty interesting dynamic when he originally disagrees with Walker and like kind of sides with Sam and Bucky, like directly saying no we're gonna let that we're gonna let sam and bucky do things their way for a little bit i kind of thought we were headed to maybe lamar was gonna ultimately end up siding with sam and bucky but then he just gets killed off in this episode before we get any more from his character my my thoughts this entire episode with lamar was like damn lamar's having some bad luck this episode yeah i agree with you very interesting character i i like you said i like that he had that whole captain america-esque relationship with his version of captain america but he's still was very human and agreed with other people and like would kind of take Walker to task for certain things. And uh, that's kind of why I was always thinking his death will be the final nail in the coffin for Walker's sanity. I, I will say very interesting conversation whenever um, Walker was like, so Lamar, if you were ever given the serum, would you take it? He's like, hell yeah. And it's like, at first it's like, oh, what, what does that mean? But then hearing these people talk about that is kind of, you get it in a fucked up way. I mean, uh, Walker's talking about, I got three Medal of Honors to commemorate the worst day of my life. And I think Hoskins or him is like, what if we had the serum? Think about how that day could have gone differently. So you get why these people might want it. It's just, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to rewatch Captain America, the first Avenger um, in a, coming up soon, because a lot of that movie is about how the serum makes things better if you're a good person, but makes things worse for you if you're a bad person. It amplifies both good and bad things, and we saw kind of the bad elements of that in this episode. Like if Lamar had taken the serum, I don't think things would have turned out badly. 
Lamar Hoskins is, is really coming at it from like, I can use this to help people where John Walker's like, I can use it to fight better. So I just, I would have been really more interested in seeing more from Lamar. Me too. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on now. How are you guys feeling about Zemo's involvement in the show so far? I'm really enjoying having Daniel Brule like a part of the show. I think having Zemo back has been really fun, but I'm just really needing there to be more of a payoff coming from this character. I think they've done a great job of establishing that he really just doesn't believe super soldiers should exist. I'm going to need him to have a larger plan in order for like his presence in the show to have like felt impactful for me by the time we wrap in episode six. I do kind of like him as like kind of more of a background character, though. I think maybe something's building up with him towards the end that might maybe lead into something bigger in the MCU later on. I feel like we're going to end with him maybe with a bigger plot, maybe towards the end of the show. I hope so. I'm really worried that his escape is just going to lead to him trying to kill Carly Morgenthau without anybody else getting involved. Like, that would be kind of the worst case scenario for me. Like, I'm hoping his escape leads to the uh, revealing of, of his larger plan. But if it's literally just, I need to go kill these super soldiers and I don't want the Avengers involved, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah, sure. I hear what you guys are saying. Um, I'm curious if Zemo's trajectory on the show ends with something due to Bucky, because I love that line where he's talking about why, like Austin said, basically, where he's justifying why super soldiers shouldn't exist in his own head. And Sam almost kind of, I wouldn't say he agrees, but he understands. And he has that great line where he's like, but where does that leave Bucky? Part of me feels like, does the finale end with Zemo trying to make that choice to maybe the, all the flag smashers are dead, but where does Bucky stand? Does he let him go? Do, do they kill each other? Like, what? I have no idea. Um, as for just the general point, I, I I do feel like Zemo's up to something. I, it sounds like his escape was now an easy thing to do. So it seems like, yeah, somehow he'll try and pull something off in the next couple episodes. But I will say this just as, I guess, a devil's advocate type point. I agreed wholeheartedly with this in the last episode. I was like, what the hell is Zemo doing? But in this one, I got to say, and it's not just because there's comedic elements. I just have kind of enjoyed him in a weird way, being a part of this trio, kind of, with Sam and Bucky. And he's weirdly been helpful, which Sam even calls out whenever he's like, Walker, like, fuck off, you ruined the Morgenthau thing. You want to arrest Zemo? He pulled his weight. We couldn't have done that without him. I'm not saying I like the guy, but he's a means to an end and we need his help and we need him and he's willing to help us, I guess, for now. So if this ends with just... Kind of what you're saying, the opposite, like there isn't some grand plan. I will at least come away enjoying seeing him a part of this weird mishmash of a team. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but, you know, I, I do. Have, I've liked him so far. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I think the dynamic of seeing Zemo interact with Sam and Bucky has been really fun and I've had a great time with it. I just in order for like in order for this to like take it over the top for me and like make me really look back fondly on this show, I'm going to need there to be something bigger coming from Zemo than just, hey, I want to kill some super soldiers. I kind of want to jump into Carly Morgenthau here. It keeps kind of like trying to push some sympathy for her, and I kind of get it, but kind of don't. And I get where she's coming from and why she believes what she's doing is right. But it's pretty clear it's not right right now. And Sam kind of calls her out on that fact that she's killed innocent people. So my question is, and has been, I mean, is there something bigger looking on in the background that is forcing her to do the things that she's doing? Maybe something with the power broker? You know, if so, the story kind of mirrors Bucky's in a way that, you know, she's 
a person who has a super serum but is being forced to do things that she doesn't want to do. I don't think she's being forced to do anything. I think you're supposed to kind of feel conflicted about this character. I think the issue, though, is in the last episode, they had her murder like 13 innocent people for no reason, apparently. Like, we didn't really get any big payoff from that this week, other than just now the whole world thinks she's evil. I think where she's coming from is just, she's a refugee. She doesn't think that the world is doing anything to help people like her who have been displaced from people coming back from the blip. And she believes that there needs to be a world without borders and everyone needs to look out for each other. Just what, what is it like one world, one person yeah, or something like, that? something like that? So I think she just really buys into that mission. And I think they just really did her character a disservice last week by having her murder some people for no reason. Yeah, because the problem is, and Sam says it, I agree with your fight. I just don't like how you're fighting it. Um, there's nothing wrong at all with what she's fighting for. It's just when she randomly kills multiple people in a building who aren't hoarding supplies and just happen to be there seemingly that are innocent. And her response is just that they weren't innocent. It just doesn't work as well. I'm not prepared to fully kind of a uh, bag on that though, until I see where this character goes in the next two episodes, because it seems like there is room for growth and somehow maybe redemption. Who the hell knows? So I'm really curious where they go from here. But I agree with you, Keith. As of right now, there are definitely moments where it's like I don't feel bad for her at all. Like whenever she's killing these people and just kind of brushing it off. But then whenever Sam comes to talk to her after her adoptive mother, I guess, dies, it is kind of sweet in a way. Right? And you kind of get it. Like I, I really love that scene as well where he kind of uh, – he doesn't really twist her words, but she kind of is trying – she's being all tough and she's like – I would have killed those people again if I could. And he's like, whoa. And she's like, like, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean that. I wouldn't. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm going for. It's not my mission. It just happened. So like, there's elements where I feel sympathy and elements where I don't. And when she kills Lamar, it's this weird thing where it's like, was that on accident? And it's like, she's been a, a, a super soldier for a while. It's like, she just punched a normal dude into fucking wall and killed him and she looks sad it didn't i don't think she wanted to do that but still it's like you did and now i i don't feel bad because that that was a bad thing to do it's ugh, it's just tough i took it as she was surprised that lamar wasn't also a super soldier because she sees that cap that the, she sees that john walker has the serum so i thought maybe she thought okay maybe his partner also took the serum and then she kind of let him have like all the force that she had in her body maybe yeah that would be something I wouldn't mind if they delved into later, just for clarification. But because right now it just seems like she was just going all out, knowing that she would easily kill that guy. I guess the reason I took it that way it was just because she looked so shocked, and like yeah. she's fought both Sam and Bucky now too, and she was never that violent with Sam. So that's a good. I point. Guess that was my only reasoning in my mind was like that's why she let that's why she kicked Lamar so hard. Yeah, I don't think she's trying to hurt people really. I think she's just on her mission. But hurting people is kind of in the process. Like she said, if she has to go across those, bro those roadblocks, she will. But that is not her main goal. Yeah, her main goal is just to get people the supplies and, and resources they need to live a better life, really. I don't know why they wrote her character to blow up a building with people in it last week for seemingly no reason. Yeah, that's where you lose me. Like, I, I, I'm trying to feel for you, but I really can't. Sorry. <laughs> you just killed a bunch of innocent people. It's also tough because she had that line where she was like, it's the only language they understand. And it's not like that really played into this episode. It's not like we saw the aftermath of that. And it's like, oh, shit, every hey, listen, world, Carly Morgenthau is willing to do this. We need to 
she's right. We've been screwing up. We need to honor these lives that were taken by accepting that we need to do better post blip. It's not like they're saying that. So it's not like Carly's thing worked. It just kind of now weirdly seems like she just wanted to kill those people. And if so, that's even more irredeemable. That's what I like about Sam's conversation with her. She's like trying to make the world a better place. And he's like, oh, by killing people. And he's like, that doesn't do anything. That just makes it different. It doesn't make it a better place. That was so. a good line. So I really like the inclusion of Florence Kasumba's AO, the Dora Milaje in general, and just having Wakanda show up at the beginning of this episode. I didn't expect that. We got this great intro with her and Bucky kind of trying to fix his Winter Soldier programming. We just got badass vibes overall when it came to their action sequences. And on top of that, I mean, we got to see them fight Walker and Lamar, which was pretty crazy. I just thought it added a lot to this episode with them hunting Zemo and kind of how the characters all interacted and randomly kind of kind of um, just ran into each other. So I wanted to know how that all played for you guys. Yeah, I... I liked having Wakanda and Ao in this episode. I thought it added a really cool dynamic. It just seems so weird that like we kept going to do something and then coming back to this hotel room. Like we came back to this hotel room like three separate times in this episode, and like each time it felt like the show was wrapping up and then there was more content. And then it just like seemed really convenient that like John Walker shows up and then Wakanda also shows up. And then for some reason, Wakanda is trying to murder the new Captain America for no reason with their spears. Like I enjoyed the action, but it seemed like they were, I didn't really buy where the Wakandans were coming from in the fight against John Walker. It's a good point, Austin. I don't know how anybody finds anybody in this, in this show. Yeah. Like John, They're always <laughs> like, John Walker, he's coming in. How did he know where you were? He literally in this episode just says, Whenever two Avengers are in Latvia, it's hard to not take notice. It's like, okay, how do you know where we're staying? <laughs> we just they just follow they just followed a trail of Turkish delights falling out of Zemo's bag. <laughs> I did like the Dormelage scene though. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh yeah, I think they're they're badass. But why are they just trying to kill John Walker? That's that was. The hardest thing for me in the scene. He deserved it. He was being a fucking douche. But my, my thing is, they weren't there to kill John Walker. They were there to capture and or kill Zemo. And Walker's just like, hey, ma'am, it's me, Captain America. And then he touches her and says, like, everything's going to be okay. And then they just attack him, which I was kind of honestly like, yes, it's deserved. I totally agree with you. I just thought it was weird that they, like, purposely shot the action to make it look like they were trying to skewer him with their spears. Like, I, I agree he deserved to have his ass kicked, but it, it, it seems like a weird, just like political move for Wakanda to try to kill the new Captain America. Like, it doesn't seem like that's helping any diplomatic relations. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I think, I just don't think they even cared. So I think I, I see what Austin, you're saying. It was weird. They were trying to actually, they were, <laughs> they were going to kill him. They weren't just trying to kick his ass. That's a good point. It would have made more sense if they were fighting Zemo in that scene. But to me, it, it kind of seems like they should have like, drop their spears and just kind of duked it out with their fist. Maybe they didn't know who he was. Maybe they thought he was trying to protect Zemo or something like that. I think that was the vibe they got from all of them. Um, I really like that AO calls Bucky the White Wolf in the opening scene, but then calls him James after this fight scene. It's almost like you're dead to us, like you're dead to Wakanda. And speaking of, I mean, that op that opening scene in Wakanda was pretty great, I thought, acting-wise. I mean, watching... Just Sebastian Stan, and in the span of just a couple seconds, was able to dive into that. Just after a few words were read to him, the whole Winter Soldier, like, sleeper cell words. And then he's just crying, realizing that it's not working. I was like, wow, 
what a way to open. And it, it made it sad whenever she calls him James at the end. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be welcome in Wakanda ever again, the one place that I found peace in the past. So Cool scene, but when they opened up that way, I couldn't help but wonder if there was a different scene filmed with Chadwick Boseman, and that's why we were filming this one in the woods and not like actually in Wakanda. Like, I wonder if they had to reshoot some stuff really quickly, and they were just like, all right, we can't afford to redo all of Wakanda again, so we'll film this one in the woods. And I don't know if we'll ever know that. Um, I did see some like Marvel leakers that are pretty like their track records really good. They were asked if Chadwick Boseman was going to be in the show or filmed any scenes, and they said no. And there was a weird moment at the beginning when he's talking to AO where he basically says, you and Shuri did so much for me. I'm so grateful. It was weird that T'Challa wasn't mentioned, who was the one that allowed Winter Soldier to come to Wakanda in the first place to kind of get rid of his programming at the end of Civil War. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just saving all of the kind of T'Challa stuff, like what happens to the character, because we know that he's going to have to die off screen in Black Panther 2. So how they're going to handle that, maybe they want to save it. Uh, okay, so before we close out, let's talk about Sam and Bucky now. Um, it seems like in this episode, this is kind of the one where they feel like they're most uh, acting as a unit, like they feel like they're actually a team. Uh, have you guys been enjoying their chemistry lately? And do you guys think that like kind of the conflicts they had with each other at the beginning of the season are kind of wrapped up now? Or do you think some of that's coming back towards the end of the show? I think for the most part, um, it's pretty wrapped up with their issues. So I think I think their history kind of shows i guess i mean they just seem especially whenever people are calling them the avengers and all that i mean yeah you can feel it like it just feels like they're they're the veterans of everybody that's in this show and they they're just trying to get shit done so no i like their chemistry it works for me i i feel like the end of this episode having bucky and sam run up see a guy dressed as their old and one of like literally their best friends ever dressed as that guy holding a shield drenched in blood with a body under it that probably doesn't have a head, not even making a joke. I think this is kind of the final straw. It's like, we keep talking about this whole, you shouldn't have given up the shield, Sam. I think this is the final thing. Like we saw how bad a situation like this could go. We're both going to try and figure it out. We're going to help each other out. We are friends, even though we give each other shit. So I think that will be the final straw. I think in episodes five and six, they're going to be not only partners, but I think we're going to see more of like that friendship come out and that kind of like the caring for each other element too. Well, it also had to be so striking for them too to see the the very shield that they that they both gave up same shield to yeah. then be used as a murder weapon as well. So that had to be pretty pretty striking as well. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see their dynamic in the next week's episode. And I did I did too really love the scene when Ao is fighting with Walker and Sam's like Bucky, we should do something, and Bucky's like. Good job, John. You're looking good. <laughs> As he's like getting his ass kicked. Perfect line reading by Sebastian Stan. It just sounded so funny. And then it cuts to Walker just yeah. getting slashed across the face of the spear. <laughs> so good. I just hope they kind of bring back and kind of wrap up this story with uh, the other super soldier, the old guy, Isaiah. Yes. I agree. I hope so. I think what could happen is that video, obviously, of, of the new Captain America murdering someone is going to go viral. And I think they might kind of use that to try and talk to Isaiah again and say, look, dude, there's more of us like this. It's causing harm in the world. We need your help. We need to know more about the super soldier program. Yeah. And also they presumably won't have Zemo to help them next episode either. So they're going to need extra help. And if they're having to fight all of the Flag Smashers now who have the super soldier serum and John Walker, who is now a super soldier and has the Captain America shield, 
Do you think they enlist Isaiah to help them fight? Do you think that could happen? I think so, but Dude, I think it's going to be Sam be with the shield. I don't know how it gets turned over to Sam, but there's. I feel like next episode, Sam has the shield in some form because Walker won't after that. I think there's definitely going to be a scene where they're fighting Walker and Walker has the shield. And maybe yeah. at the end of that fight, Sam ends up with the shield, but I think they are going to have to kind of get some backup and maybe they do reach out to Isaiah for help. Yeah. Seeing Bucky and Sam team up against Walker and take the shield would be cool. I could equally see a scene where he like goes back to the U.S. and the government just says, hey, we need the shield back. You're done. I can I can I can see a version of Walker just feeling so guilty and sad that his friend is dead that he just says, OK, and just gives it up. Maybe he feels like he needs Lamar's death to mean something, though, and he refuses to give it up. Ugh, that's a good point, too. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. If he gives it up and he's no longer Captain America... Like, I could see in his mind, then all of this was pointless, and Lamar died for nothing. Could be. Um, my prediction, though, is that the ending of episode five, the penultimate episode next week, will be the reveal of the power broker. I think they're going to show us who that is in, like, the final scene, and we'll go, oh, it's blank! <laughs> and then we'll be like, wow! So, I think that's going to be the reveal. It's for sure Sharon Carter, right? Just from that scene we got from her this week. Like, she definitely was enticing them to track down Carly, and she was in a room full of, like, armed soldiers. I think she might be working for the power broker, but I'm still... I hope it's not her. I don't think it makes sense, but I would need I would need more to that. I think she's working for the power broker. I think the character in the MCU that makes the most sense with the motivation and would go to lengths to kill people is still General Ross. Also, weirdly, fun fact, Black Widow was supposed to be the first movie of phase four but it's been delayed like two years or whatever and he is in that too so they're setting up something with ross i feel like i just don't know what it is maybe he's the power broker i don't know that would be so weird though like how would he go from secretary of defense to power broker like maybe 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 we see it in black widow but that seems like such a weird transition that we haven't seen yet to just all of a sudden he's the power broker in this show yeah honestly my only answer is while we saw him in Infinity War, and I guess maybe Endgame, like the Tony Stark funeral or some shit, we don't know what he was doing in the five-year gap. Whereas, regardless of what Sharon Carter was doing, I just don't see a version of history where things get so dark that she's sending texts to people saying, I'm going to kill you, and that she would be supplying people the super soldier serum. I just, I, I can't see Sharon Carter doing that, but I can with Ross, because he's literally done that before with Abomination. And... He has this weird obsession with these characters. So when it comes to a more dark turn in killing people, he strikes me as somebody that that five-year gap of desperation with Infinity War and Endgame, like he could become that. And Sharon Carter might be down to work for him. I just would be surprised if she's actually the power broker, but we'll see. I agree with you. I guess it would make more sense if maybe she's somehow working for the power broker. It's just that scene that we got with her this week was so weird because she was like making sure... Like, you need to get Carly Morgenthau. You need to make sure you find her. Like, she was clear yeah. to reiterate herself multiple times. And I did do that classic thing where it's like, ooh, the power broker, he won't like that, Sam. And it's like, they just keep saying he in the last, like, three episodes. And it's like, well, it's got to be a she, right? Like, that's just how these things work. So, we'll see. And how do they resolve that if she is? Like, do they take her down? Like, I don't know. Keith, are you going to cry if you see Wyatt Russell die on the show? No, I won't cry, but I'll give him a call. I'll be like, hey, man, 
We were rooting for you, sort of, not really. I mean, I, I hope he dies. It leaves Keith an opportunity to be on the show. I guess he does now have an opening for a new sidekick, Keith. So I, I don't think you could join the show as Battlestar, but is there some military-themed name that you would like to join the show as? I'll be Battleship. I was hoping you were going to say Flackman. Flackman? <laughs> Flackman. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. And hey, please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, a starred review on Apple Podcasts really does help. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for the continuation of our retrospective and review series on the MCU Phase 1 with Thor. That's right. I think it's going to be a really fun one. I cannot wait, guys, because this means we are one month out from the Avengers. We have Captain America along the way, so tons of MCU content for you. Of course, including the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Two episodes left. They come out the next two Fridays, which means you can catch us talking about them the following Sunday. And Keith mentioned at the top, we are doing the best, best picture bracket winner, <laughs> something with best picture winners. And it's going to be fun. The best, best picture. That's what it is. The best, best. Yes. We each took four of our favorites, submitted it. They're going to go head to head. What's going to come out on top? I have no idea. All I know is it's going to be hard as hell. And these are all great movies. But yeah. Check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Please go back and catch up on Falcon Winter Soldier and give us your theories on that. And go back and catch up on our MCU Phase 1 reviews. So go back and watch Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, and look forward to Captain America next, I believe. Um, and also, yeah, help us prepare for the best, best picture bracket. I've already watched Parasite, Argo, and Gladiator. So please catch up and look forward to that as well. Was that your first time watching Parasite, Keith? It was. Nice. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one. And that is going to do it for us, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. R.I.P. Battlestar. Battlestar.